Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, a couple announcements, starting with this. It is not the mayonnaise-hating Matthew preaching pastor that's going to be talking tonight. If you're in the 9 o'clock, it is the mayonnaise-loving uh, pastor. <laughs> we have three, and there's only one of us that likes mayonnaise. So those of you who love mayonnaise, you can, you can enjoy tuna, tuna salad and chicken salad and... BLTs and all kinds of other things with me. Uh, no, two serious announcements. Uh, first, in just a couple weeks in here, we're going to be having our missions conference. Uh, that's sponsored by our global outreach team, the GO team, um, October 10th through 12th. It's on a Friday night and a Saturday day, and then there'll be an emphasis at church on Sunday morning. Um, so mark your calendars. Love to have you take part in any of that that you, you are able to. Uh, and then secondly, we don't make a big deal out of most of our Sunday school teachers just because of time. We have so many people that help us here at Grace, and we love all of them. But if you make it past 50 years, then on your last day, we'll celebrate that. So Walt has been uh, teaching for 50 years, and we uh, today was 50, 50, yeah, 50 plus, let's go, but 55. Um, today was his last day teaching, uh, and that's something we're celebrating. So go ahead and clap on that. I know you did this morning, but... That is a good thing. We have a faithful God, and it is great to work with faithful servants as well. So thank you. Uh, let's go ahead and pray. There are a lot of other announcements and stuff, but let's pray. Lord, you are mighty, and you are ultimately who and what we celebrate in everything. Um, you are why we celebrate. That, that there is any reason to celebrate anything comes from you. Uh, but Lord, we do thank those in the body of Christ that serve faithfully. Lord, we thank you for your word, such a great gift, that you, the God of all power, all majesty, actually cared to communicate to us, to tell us who you are and what you want and who we are in light of you. Helps us never grow tired of your word. Lord, we thank you for little kids running around the church, family noise, that too is a gift. Lord, we thank you for generations, faithful exiles and brand new exiles. And Lord, we thank you for grace. Amen. Well, tonight's going to be a little different. Um, Greg had a short week, and, uh, and it happens to time out with a really big um, set of youth, youth ministry things on the calendar. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my start to catch you up on kickback. That's our big end of the summer, start of the school year um, youth event. It involves almost all of our students and almost all of our staff. So I'm gonna tear you through scripture for a little bit and I'm gonna use some seemingly offensive names, not bad words, just it might sound like, well, I've never thought of myself as that. Um, or uh, people have called me that before and it was not something I was okay with but they pair with scriptures to describe Christians. It's a little bit like exile. We don't like to think of ourselves as exile, and yet we are. We don't belong. Pastor Benji talked about that here. We have a different home. Even though this is my birth country, we have a different home. I've never lived outside of California, but this is not my home. So it starts with this, and it's our theme verse, 2 Corinthians 5.20, and it's a good word, ambassadors for Christ. Think for a minute. 
any, if you could live in any country other than the United States, and if then the United States found that out and said, we need an ambassador, would you go represent us there? That would be great, especially if you got to come back home and visit from time to time. You still get to enjoy the United States. You're a United States citizen, but you go get to live in your dream country, whatever that is, but you still get to come home. 2 Corinthians 5.20 calls us that. We are ambassadors. You know what an ambassador is? It's a willing exile. An exile is just somebody who's not going willingly. But an ambassador says, okay, I'll sign up for that. They have the same address. It's just one goes by choice. And an exile didn't get any say in the matter, really. So 2 Corinthians 5.20, that's our theme for the verse. You might see some students walking around with a map uh, on their shirt. It's ambassadors for Christ. We're encouraging our students to be aware of the fact that they go on campus as ambassadors, and they go to sports teams as ambassadors, and they go home as ambassadors. They, They go to the mall as ambassadors. They represent Christ everywhere they go. That's the encouraging word, because the next one, 1 Corinthians 1, is that we're fools. Paul calls you that. Before you get mad at me, Paul says to the world, kind of like an exile, you'll be a fool. The world will not understand how you think and the choices you make, even sometimes down to what we wear. They just won't understand it. And their word for that will be foolish. You're a fool. Another one, 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 17, says we'll be, that, that to the world we are smelly, figuratively speaking. And uses a picture. It's one of two passages that talk about being on parade. And this is the good one. It's the triumphal parade. You've gone to war and you've won. You're in the triumphal parade and we're the, we're the incense, we're the odor. And to the Romans, that was a good smell, but imagine being a captor that was on par- captive that was on parade. That wouldn't be a good smell to you at all. It's the smell of defeat to you. And it uses that phrase. We're either the fragrance of life to somebody who's a child of God or that God is leading to them, one of the elect that hasn't yet come to Christ, but they're gonna. To them, it's, the, it's a beautiful smell. It's a sweet aroma, but to everybody else, we're the odor of death. So to the world as Christians, we're smelly. Again, that means they won't understand us. There might even be conflict as ambassador fools that are smelly hang out around them. You may have noticed with some of your friends or coworkers or family that there were just times they didn't really like having you around. Especially family, maybe you had to come over at Thanksgiving, but it was always best if you left so that everybody else could just get drunk. Some of us have those stories in our life. I have students that come into Christ meant that they got kicked out of their home. That's in the United States. Sometimes we're an offensive smell. Colossians 4, 2 through 6, we're actually commanded to have salty mouth conversations. Now, not the sailor kind. But it says that our conversations are supposed to be seasoned with grace. We're in tri-tip country. Santa Maria, Suzy Q, Santa Maria style seasoning. That's what it's talking about. That grace is everywhere, and by the way, that it's a savory flavor. 
So as you talk in the office or in the store, that grace would be seasoned throughout everything. That they'd come up and say, you're weird. I don't, know, I don't even understand the words you're saying. But that there'd also be kind of, I gotta find out what that is. Like we do with food. You go, you find out, you've had macaroni and cheese all your life, you go to somebody else's house and it's just a little different. And you go ask them, what'd you put in that? Oh, it's grace. <laughs> Did somebody say cheese or mayonnaise? Mayonnaise. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That was, these are all from our chapels at, at, at Kickback. So these are things we talked about with the students. First Peter 3.15. Another one is that we're supposed to be apologetic. Not, I'm sorry. That's one meaning of being apologetic. That's not what the Bible means at all. But First Peter 3.15, having a reason for our hope. Why, do you, why are you so weird? Oh, because of Christ. He made me kind of bizarre. I mean, I was weird before that, but he really took it up a couple notches and in a totally different direction. But here's the reason. How did, I'll give you a good example. How did you and your husband make it through this problem? Because me and my spouse, we're about to end everything. Well, Grace, that's how, because it's not because we're so good. It's because God brought peace to that, and I realize there are plenty of stories that turn a different direction from that, but that, that's how we're supposed to live. How did you handle that ornery teenager that was growing up in your house? They were a sweet kid. They're a sweet 20-year-old, teen years. Whoo! Grace. God carried us, and we tried to make it a part of every conversation. Even as we came down with justice, grace and justice walking hand in hand, God has no issue with that. So then on Monday, I wrapped it up this way, and, and I, I won't nail it this time, but we had a baptism going on, and I, and I wrapped it up this way. The, the great commission, go. Go make disciples. The, the command is make disciples, but there's an emphasis on going as you do that. So I paired it with a, a great sci-fi movie. I won't tell you which one, but if, but if you know it, you'll get and, and smashed a whole bunch of words in there. And it was fly, you smelly, salted mouth, salty mouth, apologetic ambassador fools. That's the description of a Christian. It's not all of the description, but those words describe a Christian. That's our theme if you want the long form. Short form is on the screen. Ambassadors for Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.20. I realized, though, I left out a, a set of words. Because we had a baptism, I should have said this, dripping wet. Think about how little sense baptism makes to a non-Christian. What are you doing? You invited me to baptism, great. I'm used to, you know, sprinkle a kid here, there, whatever. And you, as an adult, you got in a, a, please don't get offended. You got in a bathtub with somebody else in front of a bunch of people and they dunked you and then you came up wet in like your bathing suit and these weird like purple jumper thingies and then trumped out and I loved it that the last one, you came out and everybody greeted you with, with the towel in your hair. I loved the little girl with the towel in her hair. That was so cool because that's what girls do. They dry their hair. That, why would you do that? So you guys dunk people, and then you wake up early every Sunday morning. I don't wake up early on Sunday. Why do you do that? And the answer is because we are 
smelly, salty mouth, apologetic, dripping wet ambassador fools. That's why we do that. Because of grace. That's the short version. Well, since I'm adding one, and in honor of See You at the Pole. See You at the Pole is something started in Texas by a bunch of students in, I think it was 1990. It could be off a little bit. I should know that, but I always forget and have to look it back up. And they decided to gather on the third Wednesday of September around their flagpole and just to pray for the year. And what they were praying for, even though they didn't use this word, was ambassadorship. They were praying that God would use them. They were praying that students would see them and ask questions. They were praying that they would make a difference on their campus through grace. And it very quickly started a trend. By my senior year in high school, we'd heard a little bit about it out in California and it kind of blown up. Youth ministries are great for that, starting trends. Doesn't always think through which trends should be started, but it's great at starting them. Well, this is a good one. And it's been going since the 90s, maybe in the late 80s. And every third Thursday, Thousands and thousands of, third Thursday of September, thousands and thousands of students gathered together. So I have two new ones, two, two extra words to add in there that have to do with the see you at the pole thing. So here we go. If you have a Bible, turn to Ephesians 6. Very f- familiar passage. We're going to end at, the, at 19 and 20, 18, 19, and 20. I'm sorry, just 18, 17, 18. But we're going to start at 10 because context matters. And this is what Paul's talking about. He's been talking to the Ephesians for a while. He says, finally, which means, of course, in pastor language, that he's not done yet. It means he's got a long way to go still. He's going to introduce a brand new theme right now. Paul does that. This kind of comes out of nowhere. It fits, but it kind of comes. He just went from slaves and masters to armor. It's, it's just how his pastors think. Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So that's his point. We love to focus on the armor of God, youth ministries, and we like to pair it with football gear. I've seen it paired with bicycling gear. I've seen it paired with all kinds. Of, my favorite is water polo gear. We only have you know, two things, a bathing suit and that little helmet thingy. It doesn't really work with that one, but I've heard it. And those are all great. Well, except the water polo one. Those are, I was a water polo player. Those are all great. They help students understand it because we just aren't a warrior culture Unless you're in the military, our culture isn't. We're sports culture. So that works. But he starts with that. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty, mighty power. That's what the armor of God has to do with. This is how we're strong in the Lord and in his power. So it doesn't stop just because he stops talking about armor, by the way. We always stop. There's a couple verses that get tagged on at the end that probably should be included. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty, arm, mighty power. Excuse me. Put on the full armor of God. Here's why. Not because it's cool, but so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Satan's not stupid. He's got a strategy. So we need to be ready for it. Notice, by the way, speaking of context, how many times the word stand repeats here? Several times. That should catch your attention. (laughs) We get really distracted by the bright and shiny armor. And the point is, be strong in the power of the Lord and stand. The armor's great, but that isn't the point. That's the how. The point is stand. And he makes it very clear by repeating it over and over. 
Not saying you can't get distracted by the shiny armor, it's cool. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. As you go out as an exile, realize you need to gear up each day. Not in a way that you walk out antagonistically. 1 Peter 3, 15 also says in gentleness. Have a reason and share it in gentleness. We forget that. We go out combative. We're never supposed to go out combative. Ready for battle but not combative. That's different. Verse 13, therefore, to stand, mighty power, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand 14, stand firm. I think he's making a point about standing. He, that's his point. But this is how. Stand firm then. Let the bell of truth buckled around your waist. We need to have truth on. Our culture doesn't care about it. That alone means they're going to call us fools. The irony of somebody who doesn't care about truth calling somebody fool is ridiculous. But that's the reality. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And that's the armor of God. And you've heard that, and some of you have it memorized, and that's terrific. That is all important things. You can't do without any of those. But you might have heard, and if you're a teacher, you might have even said, there's only one offensive weapon here. It's the word. Put that one in quotes. It's the only weapon spelled out, but Paul doesn't stop. And the word matters, absolutely. But the word matters here at Grace. If you're doing anything without the word of God, you're missing out on some serious power and weight. If you are sharing with somebody who lives in your apartment complex about how to live, and it doesn't include scripture, at least in what you're saying, if not a direct quote, you're missing out on something. Because my words aren't really that great, but Paul doesn't stop. He continues, verse 18, and... And ties it together. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. That sounds like a, another warrior thing. That sounds like we're still talking about armor of God. So and, and also alert. Imagine a sleeping soldier in armor. Does it do him any good? Not much. They have to be an alert soldier. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. I don't know if Paul just doesn't count it as an offensive weapon or if he just ran out of the scriptures. He went through the whole soldier's army and he didn't want to pair a prayer with the socks or something else. They didn't wear socks, but I don't know. Maybe it's just there wasn't anything comparable in the armor, armor of God. 
Because if I was thinking of one, I'd pair it with, I don't know, radio back home to, to the base headquarters, calling in an airstrike. But can you imagine if Paul put in there, <laughs> prayer is calling in the airstrike, and a bunch of people look at him and go, air, what? It wouldn't make sense to them. Maybe it's just that Paul didn't want to distract from prayer by putting a scripture to it. I don't know. Ask him when you see him. Maybe he'll tell you. Maybe he'll just say, I, I forgot. <laughs> but it's okay. I just wanted people to pray. The pictures were great on the poster, but that wasn't the point. The armor was great to make the point, but, but it wasn't essential. Prayer, however, was. And he keeps going into 19 and 20. Look at, and, and prayer is another repeated word, by the way. He repeats stand, and he repeats prayer, pray. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me. I love this. So that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul, the mighty, mighty witness person that never was afraid, has to ask people to pray that he would not be afraid. So much so that he repeats it again in a second. For which I'm an ambassador in chains. There's our theme, youth theme word. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Maybe Paul was a little more scared to witness than you think. Maybe the fact that you're scared to witness shouldn't let you off the hook. But it should drive you to prayer. It should make you pray some more. So if you wanted to add another description to ours, you could add battled armor or knobby need. That would describe Christians too, at least according to Paul. Who are to pray for? Well, go to Jeremiah. And think about the battle armor. As ambassadors of reconciliation, we have to recognize that we're in a war zone. But again, not as going in aggressively and combative. In fact, quite the opposite. Jeremiah 29. And I know you know verse 11. But you might have rarely thought or never thought of verse 7. And before you just get mad at me when I tell you the word eventually, you got to pay attention. Tell my students this. If I get a call from your parents and you, and you tuned out at some point, I'll point out that you stopped listening. And then we'll have a fun discussion. If I get in trouble for what I say, that's one thing. But if I get in trouble because you stopped listening, that's another. 29 verse 7. Also, seek the peace and prosperity, prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. I know this is a bad word and I know why. But Christians should be prosperity praying people. Now not in the way that the bad part of it means. But Jeremiah 29, 7 just pray, said, pray for, for the bad guys to be blessed. 
Well, let me give you the context, four, because again, it matters. Start at four. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And by the way, it would also fit for those who live as exiles anywhere, as my people of faith. Build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I, I, that's a big word, I, the Lord, have carried you into exile. Babylon didn't take you. Think about that picture, by the way. Every single one of the Babylonian captives, Daniel included, tromped, essentially, handcuffed. Granted, somebody might have been in a cart, but they had to go on the the shame trail to Babylon. For a long time, they didn't have cars or planes. So Daniel's existence is walking to Babylon, shuffling along, and God has the guts and the truth to tell them I have carried you into exile. You didn't walk there as a prisoner. I carried you there. I have a purpose for you there. And it includes the blessing of them. The prosperity of the city. I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They're prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. He says, don't listen to them if they're wrong. If it doesn't fit with my word, then don't listen to them. And by the way, you're not off the hook either because you keep begging them to tell you those things. You want them to tell you it's gonna be okay. I'm telling you it'll be okay, but only if you obey and go there. Listen to that guy, not the one that says rebel or hide or anything else. Daniel, I wanted you marching to Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I wanted you to get new names. I put you there. Verse 10, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. We just, I feel like Pastor Benji did a whole series on that. Ezra Nehemiah had a long list, multiple long lists of names. Why did he keep saying all those names about all the people that came back? Increase in number there, do not decrease. Oh, yeah. I think Pastor Benji told us that. Every one of those long lists of names is a reminder that God put them there, that, hey, they actually obeyed him to a degree, and that God brought them back. That changes those list of names. They're still slow. Don't, you know, well, you can. If you want to write it all over your mirror because you want to memorize that entire list of exile names because it encourages you about God's grace and promise, by all means, go ahead. Pastor Greg might have a couple other verses he'd encourage you to memorize first, though. I'm just guessing. He might have a couple, two or three. That could be the fourth verse. This is what the Lord says, when 70 years were completed, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. And now's the verse that we like to quote. 
to the exiles. Remember that. For I know the plans I have for you while you're exiled. While you're under the thumb of the offensive Babylonians. That's where I have plans to prosper you. And then when my promises are fulfilled afterwards. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon my upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I'll be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. That plan for prosperity verse has everything to do with your lowest of days, by the way. You want to apply that to yourself? Apply it right. Now it is talking to a very particular set of Israelite exiles. Don't lose sight of that. But this is the amazing God who can make that statement when you are a captive. Hey, captive exile, I'm making you an ambassador. You're not really just an exile. I wanted the gospel to go to Babylon And you earned it, by the way. You didn't obey me. But I'm the God that's big enough to do both of those things. You're not losing here. I have plans for your blessing. Daniel, to go and be the king's most important advisor, and not one king, mind you, multiple kings, to protect your people, my people, Those are my plans. So again, verse seven, that's the context. Verse seven, also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. We're to pray for our conquerors, captors, your city of exile, where you live, whatever it is. We're to pray for them. That's that's repeated in 1 Timothy 2, by the way. We're ambassadors that are supposed to pray for our host country. I don't know if there's an official word for that, but wherever we go, we're supposed to pray for that. And we're supposed to pray for God's blessing there. When was the last time you prayed for the blessing of the city of Santa Maria and and a gospel blessing for sure, but how about the business blessing in Santa Maria? How about that we'd have the police force, it'd be the best police force to work on. Not just that we would enjoy the benefit, but that they would. That our teachers would have blessed days. And you can't have that without ultimately grace there, but that's not only what he's talking about. Pray God's blessing upon it. God put you there as an ambassador or exiles, and God put you there with a purpose. He said, I took you there. I made you the captive and marched you across. I took you from your home. I have to deal with this with our college students, by the way, when they come home, talking about a walk of shame. Our college students, I love Santa Maria. If you ever grew up in any place, you probably couldn't wait to get out, and then eventually you leave and you find out, well, that was a pretty good place. I kind of want to go back. It's definitely true on the Central Coast. But I have college students all the time that go off to school and then they realize that's a little pricey. Hancock is not so bad. Except you come back and you feel off. 
And we try to challenge them. This isn't punishment. This is where God has you for today. Pastor Benji was talking about that this morning too. It's hard as a college student because you're supposed to be looking to the future too. But we, we have to challenge them with, don't look so far into the future that you stop paying attention to today. You may have a math class professor or student that God wants to use you with today. So don't just look to the big city. Look to the city that's much bigger than you think about. <laughs> In the words of Daniel, 120,000 people that don't know their right hand or their left. And don't think for a, culture, for a moment that our culture is, is straight on the right from the left. It's totally confused. It does not have a clue on even basic things like that. We haven't lost that one. Is it right or left? We're not there yet. But boy, are we getting there. We are redefining the most ridiculous things to redefine. I love that quote when I think of Santa Maria. This is a, this is a city that needs grace infused into it because it doesn't know its right from its left. And we're about the same size based off that one statement. But that's the other one. So let me try to wrap that up and then I'm gonna give you an assignment before we go. Well, something to do right now. Wrapping that up, trying to put it all together. So fly, you smelly, salty mouth, apologetic, dripping wet, battled armor, prosperity, praying, ambassador fools. That's us. We're praying for the blessing of our city. Hopefully you have been dripping wet with a picture of grace at some point. If you haven't, talk to one of us pastors. We would love to baptize you. A tangible thing to remind you, oh yeah, that's true of me. And it probably looks really weird to any of my friends who doesn't understand it. Like a bunch of other things. Salty mouth, not bad mouth, salty mouth. Seasoned, flavored, grace-flavored, and smelly. There might be a time somebody's offended by your presence. That happens to ambassadors and exiles. Like Jeremiah 27, before I let you go, we're gonna spend some time in prayer. See you at the poll this Wednesday, about an hour before school. Kids on every campus in our area, just about, will be praying. Sometimes the campus forgets the junior high schools are always hit and miss. One of my favorite moments is still when it was just me and one of our students. <laughs> that was it. We were at Tommy Kunst. <laughs> and I was sitting there going, this looks really, really funny. Some guy that doesn't belong on campus with the junior high kid that does. It's a lot better when it's a whole group of people. So I kind of, I prayed with my back to the corner looking with my eyes open. I'm like, if somebody comes over, I'll start the conversation. But um, it's one of my favorite moments. Another of my favorite, I think you've heard both of these, but another one of my favorites is there was a day, they say it wasn't intentional, but when we, there was no school on Wednesday at any of the high schools. Lo and behold, the one Wednesday of the year that there was no school happened to be see you at the poll Wednesday, about 20 years after this thing has been in existence. So the kids had a great response. Cool, that won't stop us. And some of them picked different times. Oh, it started late, that's what it was. It wasn't, it was just a late start. Some of them picked a later time, and they kind of struggled to get the word out. Others of them just said, you know what? We're going on Friday. So it's at Pioneer Valley High School on Friday. It's shortly after it opened. And we get there and we're praying. There's about 10 of us. And the football team gets out. And Pioneer Valley has one of the best Fellowship of Christian Athletes clubs I've ever seen. One of the best. Be praying for that place. One of the best. 
The coaches there, the Christian coaches there have such a connection with campus, it's amazing. So when their football team got released, it's Friday, they're all in their football jerseys because it's game day. They see all these kids over at the pole and I hear something and I look up and I see 10 football players, maybe more, come sprinting over after weights practice. I'm like, oh great, this is either gonna be really good or this is gonna be really bad. Um, Because I don't know them, they just come running over, they don't know me, kids are all praying and they mingle with everybody, grab hands and jump in to pray. Because it's the FCA kids. They're not mad. They're thrilled they made it to see at the pole that day on Friday instead of Wednesday because our school district made things funny. It went back. I don't know if the school district did that on purpose. I don't want to accuse them, but it really was fishy that year. So we have a slide for you. Pray for the schools. Going to break you up into small groups. Pray for the schools. This is just some of them, by the way. And these are the ones in the city except the Napoma ones. Um, Orchid Academy, Orchid Home Study that meets at Casmelia. It's not that far out of town. Orchid Junior High, over on the other side, Napoma High School, also meeting at Napoma High School, but it's a different school. Central Coast New Tech High School with kids there. Coastal Christian, that's up in AG. Rigetti, Lakeview, Pine, uh, Pacific Christian, Pioneer Valley, Santa Maria High, Tommy Coons, Valley Christian, Homeschool, Trivians, an academy that meets at the Naz Church. We have kids in all of those schools, and that's just some of them. When I count them up and I split Valley Christian into two, and I split homeschool, not into a bunch, but just two, junior high component and high school component, we have about 30 schools that our kids go to within 10 miles of the church. It's absurd. It's like L.A. I love it. But sometimes for C at the pole, they go alone. They don't know who's showing up. They're just going to wake up this, this Wednesday morning about an hour early. They're going to go to school, and they're going to pray. Another school with a great Christian club meeting on it right now is Orchid Academy. Orchid Academy is terrific. You happen to know the guy that is the teacher consultant with that. His name's Joel Mason. Goes to our church. They have a great group. Some of the schools, it'll be two or one. Some of the schools will have 50. Pray for them. Pray for our kids. Pray that people pay attention. Pray that when our kids are called a fool, and I have kids every year that are mocked. Not a lot of them, but we have kids that are mocked every year. When they're mocked, pray that they will have a good answer and not just a punk teenage answer. Because it's so tempting to just be the punk. Your friend's calling your name. It's so tempting just to blurt it back. But it's so amazing when one of the kids has the right answer. And it starts a conversation. Even when it doesn't lead them to Christ. It rarely does. It may be what God uses to eventually lead them to Christ. It may be the first step. They might not even remember it. But pray for them. Pray for Santa Maria. Pray for what we're voting on. You want a very particular one, and I don't care what you think about it, yes or no? Prosperity of Santa Maria and the Central Coast? How about Measure P? Be praying for that. Pray that as people argue over it, we wouldn't be stupid. That we would actually be polite to each other. That we'd talk nicely. I say punk teenagers. Sometimes we're punk adults. We're very mean to each other. 
Pray for that. So we have 10 minutes before seven o'clock hits and we're officially done. If your group finishes early, great. Go out into the hallway before you're you outside. Beautiful day, so go talk outside. And if you wanna pray for 30 minutes, terrific. Pray for 30 minutes in your group. When you're done, you're done. But pray for the thing, schools on the list. If you know another school, pray for them. I know a bunch of them. Pray for your community. Pray for your family. Pray for our leaders. You can pray for anything you want to. But that God would be honored, that grace would be shown, and that our home of exile, I don't know what to call it, where we live would be blessed. Then pray for our students too. So I'm not gonna pray, I almost did. I'm not gonna pray, you're gonna pray. So you need to split up groups of three to 10. If you have a group of 10 or more, you have two groups that are matched together, separate or you'll be here all night, that's okay. But it makes it hard. You can move the chairs. You can even go up the hallway if you want, I guess. Just make sure the light's on so we know you're in there and we don't actually accidentally lock you in and alarm it. Um, we'll all get called in for that. But you can split up. Get with some people and pray. Pray for our kids. Pray for all those things. Go. Go.